Everyone agrees the South has a hog problem, but not everyone agrees on who should solve it, Uncle Sam, or hunters and helicopters unloading machine guns. On today's episode, we talk about the devastating feral hog problem and the ideology behind its potential solutions. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly news podcast from Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government. I'm your host, David Schultz. So if you're not from the South and you're at all familiar with the phrase feral hogs, it's probably from a tweet that went super, super viral back in 2019. The tweet was from a farmer from rural Arkansas who argued that assault rifles should be legal because they're the only way to kill these destructive beasts. It briefly brought the issue of feral hogs into the national consciousness, very briefly, But then, like most viral phenomena do, it faded away. However, farmers in Arkansas, Texas, and other southern states have not forgotten about feral hogs, not in the slightest, because the hogs are destroying their crops and there's no easy way to stop them. There was a five-year pilot program from the USDA meant to ameliorate the hog problem by, in part, shooting them with guns from helicopters, seriously, but it expired at the end of September. And now, with Congress considering several big agriculture bills in the coming months, it's far from clear whether that program will be renewed or whether lawmakers will instead let the free market try to sort out this mess. To explain all of this, we have on today's program Jack Fitzpatrick, a reporter with Bloomberg Government, who went down to Texas to see what the hog situation is like firsthand. I started off by asking him to start at the beginning and explain how we got in this hog mess in the first place. The very beginning would be the 1500s when hogs were introduced to the Americas, but the effective beginning is that in the last 30 years or so, the feral hog problem has gotten much, much worse in the U.S. Experts blame hunters or someone illicitly releasing hogs into the wild uh, to have them there as a game animal, and then they intermingled with escaped farm hogs, and then all of a sudden, You have very tough wild boar, essentially, that also have the mating characteristics and the size of farm hogs, which were raised to grow to be very big and to produce tons and tons of babies. And they have essentially overrun the south and have expanded to much of the country. And it's a big problem because they root up farmland. And and the USDA says they've been causing upwards of two, maybe two and a half billion dollars in economic damages every year. And, you know, the reason why is because they're just so hungry and they'll eat. It sounds like almost anything. You know, they eat acorns, of course, but they also eat corn and what won't they eat? Yeah, they'll eat pretty much anything. Uh, Going to Texas, talking to farmers, they'll tell you they don't love to eat cotton, but they will. They'll eat cotton. Uh, They will eat rattlesnakes. According to farmers in Texas, there's a little bit of a legend that the rattlesnakes have stopped rattling in Texas because of the hogs. Biologists say that's probably not likely. And their favorite thing is corn, which is especially bad for farms. A lot of productivity on farmland in America is corn. So when these feral hogs root up corn seeds or plow down the stalks of corn to eat the corn after it's grown, uh, causes a lot of damage. And I think for me, what got me was, you know, the speed that they do this in. And here's uh, one of the people that you spoke with in Texas, Gary Kahn, who's a chemical applicator uh, on farms. And he talked about just how fast they can damage farms. They might destroy five acres in one night. Uh-huh. 
you know, the they might destroy one acre. I've seen as many as 30 or 40 acres that are destroyed over two or three nights. That being said, you know, we have a lot of invasive species, you know, both plants and animals. Why are hogs different? You kind of touched on it a little bit that they're really tough and they have a lot of uh, kids. They're very fertile. But why is this different than, say, you know, an invasive snake or an invasive fish? There are a lot of reasons. It's partly that they're omnivorous. Two, they are very, very tough. Uh, I talked to farmers who said they could take a bullet to the shoulder and be fine. Also, there's resistance sometimes to cooperation. There's not really a coordinated effort to set up fencing. There are landowners who don't cooperate with the federal government. Some people like to have them available as a game species that can be hunted. There are businesses that pop up around that. So it's just a very, very difficult set of circumstances to coordinate a response to, in addition to them biologically being the perfect storm. They have tons of babies and they grow to be very, very tough and resilient. So let's talk about how to get rid of them. And it sounds like there are two main ways let's start off with the trapping. There are a lot of problems with trapping. For one, the expense. Let's get into why trapping the hogs is maybe not really the best solution. Well, trapping tends to be very effective. When they trap feral hogs, they do tend to kill them almost every time. It's different than other invasive species, especially if you look at the top invasive species in the country. A lot of them are birds, and they'll disperse them, and that's the best you can do, and it is what it is. When they trap these hogs, they generally are sent off to the slaughter. It's not something we usually eat in the U.S. in mainstream American culture. A lot of the time it either is sent off somewhere else where there are some other countries where they'll buy the meat more readily. Other times they'll shoot them and leave them in a field and they'll be picked clean by buzzards. But the the trapping systems do tend to be effective if they're very high tech. That is a challenge for farmers and landowners because the hogs have learned that a simple caged trap that could fit one big feral hog or maybe two smaller ones. They know about them. They have learned not to go there and they have been rendered ineffective by the hog's intelligence. Yeah, you had a photo in your story of what one of these really high-tech cages looks like. And first off, they're enormous. They're like a couple, maybe a story or and a half. Like they're really, really big. Uh, And also it sounds like they have a speaker on them they have they're connected to an app like this is really really sophisticated stuff yeah we're in a bit of an arms race against the hogs when it comes to the technological trappings of uh the traps that can actually work against them the ones that i saw uh that i've been told are the most effective are 12 feet by 12 feet steel cages they raise up a few feet in the air so they do they do go pretty high and you can allow hogs to go under them unimpeded the hogs don't see it as a trap because it looks like you can just walk right under it it connects to wi-fi so you can just press a button on your phone when they're under the trap to drop it down and entrap them it has a 360 degree camera there is a speaker so if you need to scare off deer 
deer or other animals that you don't want to trap that might be eating the bait, which is usually corn. You can do that. You can yell at hunters that are getting too close. Uh, so it's very, very technologically advanced. It's a major, major trapping system. And I want to get into the other method of killing hogs, but, uh, you know, you mentioned taking the hogs to the slaughterhouse and using them for meat. So I have to ask, did you try any feral hog? And if so, what did it taste like? Unfortunately, I did not. I was interested in trying it. Danny Tarver, the trapper who showed me how the whole thing works, uh, said that his doctor told him it's good for his cholesterol. It's better than normal red meat. It's a bit leaner. Uh, He said he's had a barbecue. Uh, I asked, you know, can I get it around here? And he said, no, I wish that there were restaurants that would sell it because I'd be selling the meat to them. Well, uh, healthy bacon, I guess maybe one day a possibility. We'll see. But yeah, let's get into the other way that you can kill hogs, which is uh, slaughtering them. And not in a slaughterhouse, but via helicopter with automatic weapons shooting at hogs from helicopters. Um, This sounds pretty extreme, but it sounds like it's also pretty effective. Tell me about how this works and why this is seen by some as a more effective way to do this. Yeah, helicopters have turned out to be very important, especially in wide open areas. So in Texas, where the feral hog problem is the worst, it's very important. It's also expensive. So this is a big issue for people looking to Congress saying, what are you going to do about the pilot program that ended recently? Are you going to provide more money. Helicopters are effective because one, the hogs stay in very dense brush and you can scare them out with the rotor wash into open fields and then shoot them from the sky. The government tends to use shotguns, but you can also pay $3,000 for a business to take you up and let you shoot an automatic rifle at them. Well, we'll get to, we'll get to that in a, in a moment and the, the why that may be problematic. But You went up in one of these helicopters and and, um, experienced this. What was it like? I'm imagining it's like something out of Apocalypse Now, but like in a rural area and with hogs instead of in a active war zone. Was it like that? I mean, or was it different? It was a smoother ride than I anticipated. I went with a private company that makes money by essentially letting regular people shoot machine guns out of a helicopter with nobody shooting back at them. They seemed to have a good time. They were not uh, prolific at shooting hogs. It was a little bit of a quieter day, and they'll be straight up with you at, at Hellebacon and in Bryan, Texas. They just go. Hellebacon is the name of this company. That is that is the branding. Hellebacon. You can understand the appeal. It's pretty straightforward. And their CEO said, look, the appeal to people is you get to shoot a machine gun out of a helicopter. But they did acknowledge some inefficiencies. They average 400 rounds fired per hog killed. That's not great. No. And it's because uh, the appeal is you get to shoot a machine gun out of a helicopter. The federal government does not like this. And some farmers don't like it because they suspect the hogs are learning that helicopters are a threat, learning not to leave the brush when a helicopter comes. The counter argument from the private interests is uh, the federal government can't take care of all of this. They just started a a pilot program that was very limited five years ago. Uh, There aren't federal helicopters all over the state of Texas. And this is a free service to the landowner that's being subsidized by people who want to go have fun flying a helicopter and shoot machine guns. 
And this gets into the really, really interesting policy question, I guess, political policy, philosophical question, which is, is this something that the government should be doing or should we leave this to the private sector? And I get the sense that, as you just mentioned, people on the ground in Texas aren't really sure. You know, there are some people who say, no, we need the government to do this because they're more efficient, they're more effective, they eradicate all of the hogs, or at least, you know, as many as the hogs as they can. And there are other people who say, no, I mean, we, you know, people want to kill hogs. We, we, people want to pay us to go up in this helicopter and kill hogs. And we are, you know, more effective and we can, you know, let the private market handle it. Who do you think is going to win this, this argument? Yeah, there are a lot of fights within this. One of them is the pushback from some businesses, people at Hellebacon who say we're skeptical that the federal government can do any better landowners who don't want to cooperate with the federal government. But also, uh, if there's a push for more resources from Congress, it is coming up against a Republican-led counter push to cut funding. In Congress, the conversation right now is largely about how much money they can cut the House's agriculture funding bill we had cuts, and then the conservative members of the House wanted even more cuts. That led moderates to push back, and they couldn't pass a funding bill for the Department of Agriculture in the House with Republican votes. So there's a, a real back and forth there between the calls for more resources for rural America and the conservative push to cut spending. Overall, Farm groups want more money and more resources from Congress. They want more helicopters. They want more traps, especially high-tech traps. And they want personnel to help with the traps and to be responsive to uh, the issues that farmers have with this invasive species. Yeah, you you spoke with Tracy Tomasic uh, from the Texas Farm Bureau, and he laid it out that he thinks that allowing uh, hunters and sort of private enterprise to handle this is a, a really bad idea. You've got the USDA employees that are, that are equipped, they're trained to not miss. They're highly effective. If I went up on a helicopter and I paid however many thousands of dollars for it, I'm not going to be nearly as effective as, as the USDA employee. I'm going to have a great time. And if there's pigs missing or still there after I'm done, well, that guy has an opportunity to come back through there with another client the next day or two. Okay, Jack, wrapping this all up, um, I have to wonder if there are a lot of forces working against the farmers and the Farm Bureau here. One, you have private enterprise saying, you know, we want to you know, make money off of this. Two, you have other Republican lawmakers who just want to cut the budget and don't want to allocate more money. And then Three, you just have conservatives in general who are, you know, kind of wary of government solutions and think the private sector should be relied on to do whatever it can and the government should only step in as a last resort. I have to wonder if that means that in the farm bill or in the agriculture appropriations bill that this money for hog elimination is going to be left out. What, What do you think? It is a bit of an uphill battle, especially given the scope of the problem. Uh, It's gotten very, very bad over the past couple decades, so doing a little bit more might not even be enough if you look at it from the perspective of the farmers. Uh, For one, the appropriations outlook for regular funding that goes every year through the Department of Agriculture might not be great because of the House push to cut funding. 
Separately, there's the pilot program that was set up in the last farm bill. Its authorization expired at the end of September. It would be useful if they just made that a permanent program. And that's one thing the USDA has said is when you do a five-year pilot program, employees start to leave after three and a half years because they know they don't have a permanent job. It would make them much more effective to make it permanent, even if it didn't have a budget increase. So that is one possible route to improvement. And John Cornyn has a bill in the Senate to make that permanent. That is a possibility. But the simple question of are they going to find more resources and spend more money on this in Congress looks pretty bleak right now. All right. That was Jack Fitzpatrick talking about the invasive species, the invasive menace that is feral hogs. Uh, Thank you, Jack. Uh, This was so fascinating. Thanks for having me on. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Andrew Satter, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Those nine justices in Washington can be hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Kimberly Robinson. I'm Greg Storr. And I'm Lydia Wheeler. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the yachts, and much, much more. Check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.